This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode, we speak to Poppy J and Rabina Pavani. This is like the perfect podcast for us to be on. We talk about the risks of hosting a sex podcast. Two of my sisters found out and they didn't talk to me for like nearly a year. Sex dreams. I literally went up to a table of people and I said, does anyone want to have sex with me? Polyamory. You're setting boundaries. You know who you are. You know what you want. And sexual fantasies. I sometimes worry if there's a limit or a line or being turned on by something a little bit weird and being like, that's just weird. That's just a lamp. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Diggory Waite and as ever I'm joined by accredited sex and relationship therapist Kate Campbell. Hello mum. Hello dicks. Every episode mum and I give sex and relationships a good going over with a guest or in today's case guests. Yes mum you get the carriage door and I'll roll out the red carpet for podcasting royalty. We're so glad to welcome Poppy and Rabina from the award-winning Brown Girls Do It Too podcast. It's a great podcast, they're great guests. Mum what did you like about them? Oh everything, they're so honest and funny and committed and and really committed to the cause of sex therapy for South Asian women. I just I just love them, they're great. They're so good, they're so, uh, we had such a good time could have talked to them forever we could have done and to be honest i wish we had but that would have meant that we didn't get to talk to you guys so it's fine let's talk sex education as this is the real sex education we want to get some sex education in early as possible and i was flicking through the index of your latest book mum what's the name of that (laughs) Uh, contemporary sex therapy very good i was flicking through the index of contemporary sex therapy by kate campbell book out now to look for stuff to talk about on the podcast, to educate people and to educate myself. Um, and I came across a number of things that I'm sure we'll get onto in the in the coming weeks. But one word I saw that I didn't recognise was sex omnia. Sex Mom, omnia, yes. What is sex omnia? Well, it's it's a very interesting phenomenon whereby um, people initiate sexual behaviour in their sleep. Um, so if they're on their own, they might masturbate. Um, they're genuinely fast asleep, so they don't know they're doing this. And sometimes they start to have sex with their partner in their sleep. Now, I first came across it when clients brought it and um, didn't didn't know very much about it because it's only relatively recently been recognised, so since about 2007. Um, and now it is a recognised sleep disorder. 
And what happens is that sometimes people will initiate sex with their partner. Their partner will wake up and think that their partner is awake and um, wants Mm. to have sex. They start responding. That wakes up the one who started the whole thing. And the one who started the whole thing gets really angry and says, how dare you assault me in my sleep? So that this poor person says, but you were making love to me. And they say, I certainly was not. I was fast asleep and you just assaulted me. And and this has happened quite a lot and it causes all sorts of relationship issues, as you can imagine. But it is something that can be treated. But it's not a sexual disorder. It's a sleep disorder. It's not as uncommon as people imagine. I mean, given the number of people that I've seen who have this experience, wow. it, it is not that. And, and it, but it really worries people, as you can imagine. But it's more common in people who have um, other sleep disturbances like sleepwalking and people with sleep apnea and things like that. There are several fixes for these things, which once you treat the sleep disorder, the problem goes away. But not every GP knows about this. So you you need to probably inform them if they don't know but it is a known condition and people can get help with it wow well i mean i i feel suitably educated after that um, <laughs> which is great but it, it doesn't end there after our discussion with Rabina and poppy in just a bit we open our mailbox and it's your chance to have your questions answered by kate an accredited sex relationships therapist i mean you've just seen her credentials there sex omnia <laughs> who'd heard of that not me uh you can send in your queries to podcasts at hatchet.com that's hatchet with two t's or by using the hashtag hashtag real sex edu that's real sex e-d-u Right, that's enough of me. It's time to welcome Poppy and Rabina to the show to ask them about their sex education and to hear what they made of my regal introduction for them. Podcast oh. royalty, what an intro. So God. good. I'm like, yeah. I'm like and this that. is like the perfect podcast for us to be on because we always go on about how we are completely not sex experts and we're fumbling our way through our sex lives. So this is what where we need to be. Thanks for having us. Well, that, that's the thing because usually we start the podcast by asking people, what was your sex education like? But obviously, mum and I have listened to your podcast. Thousands of others have as well. They know it was crap, right? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, totally. Sex when I was growing up was like, you know when you play like Mario Kart and like you, like the highest level, like level 64, yeah. that was sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just like listened to like people our age when we were like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I got my sex education mm. from a nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah, you said that. What was that? Well, it was in Islamic school when I was nine. And this is so awful. But I remember it was a really sunny day and I'd learned about sex and this like disgusting thing that my parents had done that made me. I was like, Ugh. and I went home and I like, I sort of like judged my mum and I just like oh, saw no. her as like dirty and it was awful. Like I really regret that. But so it was, it was yeah, it was, it was crap. It was crap and it was <laughs> sort of internalized misogyny and patriarchy. And I mean, that, that was pretty much my sex education. And was it the same for you, Rabina? Yeah, I guess sex was, sex was always something silly and fun and something that is always naughty and, like, you know, you wouldn't really ever do it, so it's not really part of your life. And and that's why I think a lot of, like, British Asian people lose their virginity so late as well because it feels, like, quite distant from you, like you're not supposed to. And then you just... Everything you find out, you find out through porn, through whisperings, through kind of crap lies and stories that people tell at school. Through fellow nine-year-olds. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's interesting that you mentioned British Asian people. Were there some things that specific to those communities that 
were different in terms of sex education and stuff? I think it depends what kind. I mean, we use British Asian really like openly, me and Poppy, because we're like trying to represent, which we should. But also, yeah. you know, like Poppy and I, we grew up in very different parts of London with very different Muslim households. So like mm. even comparatively, it's very different. But I think religion, a lot of us grew up in quite religious, conservative houses. We're also from uh, countries that are still quite patriarchal uh, and families that are huge and patriarchal as well. So like us having any say in women talking about their bodies, women talking about self-pleasure, anything like that, just it's just non-existent nothing silence was was basically what you were supposed to have around sex and my mum used to have this phrase where if you said anything like around sex or swearing you know she would wash she said i'll wash your mouth out with chili because it was like this un thing that you're not allowed to do um so for us like doing the podcast was like such a big deal for us because we were like well let's just do it and see what happens (laughs) yeah well i think now is the perfect time to explain to people if people haven't listened firstly what you're doing but secondly (laughs) explain to people who may not have listened what the podcast is and what what it's about because it goes completely in some ways against what you've just been saying you know about it being conservative don't talk about sex etc yeah and maybe we go too far because we're rebelling we always go too far um, so we talk about we talk about sex but we talk about it through the prism of our race of our culture of identity yeah. we are not self-hating brown people we love our cultures our food is way better than yours we are definitely proud <laughs> british asians but we do acknowledge that in our communities this is an issue and we would like to do some some fun chat around not being experts and just sharing our experiences as a way for us to learn from each other and to help some other people know that they're also normal. But it's interesting with that more conservative places that you're coming from, what has the reception been like to the podcast? So we got quite a lot of trolls. Like Rabina said, the line was here and then we always went over the line. Yeah. But we did get really incredible uh, messages of support from young women. Women Mm. saying, I wish I'd had this when I was growing up. You've normalised it. I don't feel embarrassed. I don't feel ashamed. Um, The the reception within my family wasn't so great. Um, Mm. Two of my sisters found out a clip had been shared on an Instagram page that I was then trolled and then they found out that way. And I should have messaged them. You know, we've got a WhatsApp group, but I just do want to say, hey, I'm doing a sex podcast. These are yeah. my Kimmy K sex tapes. I just wanted to call <laughs> them up individually and, and explain to them. And I just didn't get round to it. And it's my fault. So they found out in this horrible way. And they didn't talk to me for like nearly a year. Oh, God. Yeah. So, so they, went on, they went on the biggest journey because they stopped talking to me, hated me. And like, why are you doing this? To, you know, they are now on the podcast and they talk about their journey. Wow. And they're like, this is why oh I was God. upset with you. This is why I couldn't understand. Like... And it was just something simple. For one of them, it was just simple as, I wish you told me. I found out through friends, mm. through people that I'm mutual friends with on Instagram. And so I, I'm really proud of them and I'm proud of the journey they've, they've experienced within, within that. You know, and there's so many sex podcasts, there's so many sex and relationship podcasts in that genre. But I always say this, like I think the stakes for us were always a bit higher. You know, the fact that two of my sisters who I, I mean, we squabble, but we've never not talked for a, mm. a year. And certainly like, Rabina's mum is incredible. I want to. Can she adopt me? Yeah, I'm, I guess because <laughs> she went through a similarish kind of journey, didn't she? She's like the coolest seventy-three-year-old I know. Yeah, I, well, yeah, she's amazing. I mean, she it took her a while to really get her head around that. I mean, you got to you got to remember, like British Asian women in the media, they're seen on the news. They're seen in like very specific, certain, and quite serious roles. And what Poppy and I are trying to do 
is I kind of joke that we're going to be like Anton Deck, but we are much more of the and entertainment. I'm like, come up with ilk. a better reference. What's wrong with you? They're so uncool. <laughs> they are so uncool. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess we're trying to do something like funny and snappy and kind of straight talking. And we don't want any kind of academic research behind what we're doing. We're just sharing experiences because we think that's valid and enough. I mean, I would love to do a podcast like you with my mum. That would be amazing. And when I recorded the little bit for our podcast, it was just like, so revealing that this 70 year old woman who also has desires and has had sexual partners and like had never been able to talk about this stuff. And it took her ages to be like, wow, actually what you're doing, I can now see is just as important as a brown woman reading the news, as a brown woman who's a lawyer, Mm. as a brown woman who's all of those other things. And she now sees the value in it, which is great. It's interesting too, that listening to the podcast, I I was a bit surprised that it didn't sound as though anybody who got married got any advice from a sister or a a mother or anything like that because you, you you know you talk about wishing someone had given you the lube talk it just astonished me that there wasn't anybody to kind of put an arm around you because it sounds really frightening yeah and especially when you're expected to be a bloody virgin on your wedding night yeah. which I was so you're really fumbling around in the dark and then your sex education from a nine-year-old then goes graduates uh, to getting sex education from your fellow 19-year-old who is also as clueless as you are. <laughs> and then you're like, great, back to the Bollywood movies I go. Very, very unhealthy. <laughs> and that's it. At least I did. Ha- I had that nine-year-old. I mean, what did my mum have? I mean, she, it must yeah. have been insane. To, like, I, And I say this in the podcast, like I, my, my head was beating and my, my heart was beating in my head. I'd never had that experience in my life because I was like... Oh my god, I'm about to have sex. It's, it was such a big thing, and I. It was level sixty four. Level sixty four. Sixty five. Exactly. Not quite sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> you got there eventually. It's fine. That's when you started branching out, having eventually. fun with it. Yeah. And then I was like, "This feels amazing." What? What? It's, again, not that deep. Should have, you know, should have started you know five ten years ago whatever because you you talked about that mama as well in sex therapy that often you'll have clients who waited till marriage Mm. and often there's a few problems because people Mm. don't really know what they're doing Mm. you know and do you find that you get lots of um south asian clients like british asian people coming uh to you with their problems or is that a community that feels quite untapped in terms of getting help and like vocalizing things no there are some and and what's interesting is they quite often couples often arrive not having had sex and being paid for by relatives oh wow yeah because they want them to consummate them the relationship so that's always really awkward because you think well how much do these people want to know a colleague of mine said that quite often a relative would actually attend therapy with them the first time and they'd have to send them away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because they okay. wanted to Asians see Asians are that... so fucking overbearing, aren't they? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sitting I'd... here and yeah. listening to everything. <laughs> you guys talk of fantasies, don't worry. <laughs> no, but, but it's, it's lovely. It's really, it's really sweet. But a lot of people don't have any idea who want sex therapy. They don't have any idea about sex at all. They've got no idea of anatomy or anything, which is, yeah. uh, you know, which you would think it would, would be very unusual in this modern day mm. but it still happens yeah i can see the relative thing i guess british asians often come from huge families and see themselves as a part of a community we're not individuals mm. with that kind of individualistic thing mm. doesn't really exist you represent your family and so your family would come into every room with you and try and solve every problem with mm. you which is wonderful wonderful for so many different levels yeah. of our lives and we feel very supported by the yeah. multi-layers of our family yeah. and then terrible for things like sex because no way is the group going to come together and talk to you about like there are there are good and bad bits of that you guys talk about so much in your podcast i want to ask you two questions one is there something on the podcast that you haven't 
on yours. You, you've discussed so much that you haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about maybe here. And also, you know, because mom's a sex therapist, is there anything you'd like to ask her now that you've got one in the room? We sometimes worry that because we are both, as you say, quite sexual. We think about sex a lot. We love to talk about sex. We love to have Ooh. sex. We are definitely open and honest about that. I sometimes worry if there's a limit or a line or if there is a point when actually thinking about sex while I'm in a meeting at work, probably not a good idea, or being turned on by something a little bit weird and yeah. being like, that's just weird. That's just a lamp. Why am I? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there is there any lines where you would say actually there isn't there isn't an unhealthy amount that you can? No, I'd be interested. I to mean, know. you know, we're all trying to turn up the volume on people's sexual experiencing rather than turn it down. So yeah. no, there isn't a line. I mean, nobody. What you're doing in your head is your business, isn't it? It's not yeah, upsetting totally. anybody else. Yeah, completely. So go for it. Shag that lamp. <laughs> well, again, in your head. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm looking at one now, and I want. I'm very protective. All of a sudden, there is stu- there is stuff on our podcast that we'll be doing in series two that I think we're both a bit like, hmm, is that crossing a line? Because when it comes to fantasies and things mm. like rape fantasies and things mm. that put you in a bit more of a Poppy and I do like to be dominated and we do talk about that. And there are lines within that where we're like, how do we talk about that safely with our mouths and our humour, which make us feel irresponsible? So there's a few like lines that we've been having kind of moral discussions about and where we're going to go with that. And that is something I would love love to know as well, because I think I'm always worried about my sex thoughts and minds. So that's probably the health thing was something that I I was interested in because it's like, how far can a fantasy be dangerous and how much, you know? It's fine. If it's a fantasy, it's a fantasy, isn't it? It can't hurt anybody. And rape fantasies are incredibly common and they, mm. they don't hurt anybody. And a lot of sexual fantasies are ways of sorting stuff out as well. It's a bit like dreaming. You can have a fantasy where you, you actually put things right in your head. So fear of fear of actual rape or having had a, a sexual abuse in the past can actually be put right through fantasizing you can actually mm. help yourself quite a bit by imagining you being you, you know because it's your fantasy you're in control of what happens and you can make anything happen and mm. so it can be really really therapeutic to to have rape fantasies actually because it's something that people are frightened of and I'm hearing at the moment about people having coronavirus fantasies which wow. absolutely blows my mind but it is about people getting excuse that I was going to say getting on top of but I have to be careful um but coming to terms with something that really frightens them and what safer place in a way to do it than through your sexual fantasizing that's so interesting I've been having I have these dreams right I mean everyone has dreams but recently you know when I'm stressed I have quite a lot of dreams and I dream all the time and sometimes I can control the direction of my dreams which I'm sure lots of people can relate to you know when you it's going somewhere dark and you want to take it somewhere else and the place that I always take it is I'm not just have sex with somebody in the dream try and have sex with them because in oh my, my dream exactly what I do oh my God. <laughs> I dream all the fucking time it's exhausting I wake up exhausted I do the same thing I'm like I'm like giving a speech. I'm like, just have sex with them. Just have sex with them. Everything ends in sex. My last dream that I had, I was in like this piazza in Italy and it was just like, there was tables everywhere around me. And I was like, I didn't really know what was happening. And I was like, okay, well, the best thing to do is just, I literally went up to a table of people and I said, does anyone want to have sex with me? And I said that I ended up having sex with someone in the toilet in this like Italian restaurant in my dream. And I was like, what is that about? I mean, what is that about? I I always, uh, my troubleshooting is having sex. Like, I could be having a nightmare I could be in a meeting, I could be at work, it could be really mundane, or it could be like quite intense. And I'm like, just just have sex with them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, I can't, I don't have that degree of like lucid dreaming where I can control the dream. 
One time mm. I was dreaming about having sex with Keanu Reeves and my fucking sister burst into the room and I was so mad at her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I'm now never going to be able to finish this ever. And I'm still yeah. cut up about it because it happened in 97. <laughs> I had, I, this is really weird and maybe oversharing, but I had exactly the same thing. But I was watching Will Smith have sex with someone else. And it was amazing. Yeah, and I identify as a straight man. And yet That's Will Smith is very much the centre of Who was he having sex dream. with? No idea. But nice. she was very beautiful as well. Yeah, see, I identify as straight, but I have sex dreams about all sorts of other um, escapades. Like I've been in an orgy. I've been gangbanged in my dream. I mean, this is all because yeah. I watch porn. I reckon a lot of things just filter through. But, you know, mm. I've done everything in my dream. In my, in my, oh, my dream self is more fun than my real self. My dream self is way more fun than my real self. Well, this is, <laughs> sure. okay, I, I lucid dreamt once and I remember realising that I was dreaming that I could control the dream and I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. So you guys have it all the time. I'm insanely jealous. But the problem was then, obviously, like you guys did, my instant reaction was, my instant thought was, what do I do? And I was like, okay, I'll fly, obviously, which I did. <laughs> but I was like, I got like 15 feet off the ground and then my brain just went, you can't fly, you idiot. And I was like, and I started floating back down. I was like, no, no. And then, <laughs> Believe and it. then I was like, the girl that I fancied at the, at the the time I was like right I'll, I'll imagine her and she was in front of me and I was like right I'm gonna have sex with her and I tried to kiss her and then my brain was like she wouldn't kiss you and she was like what are you doing and so my my, oh, my no. dream subconscious brain you're cock blocking was, yourself in your I dream know, what I is know. wrong with you come on I know, it's awful this is why so when I'm hearing you guys be like oh yeah I, I just bang a table of you know <laughs> in an Italian restaurant I'm like I'm so it, jealous honestly it's, it's, it is my go to I do exactly the same I don't I think I've ever so... actually ever told anyone that I dream like that but I, I really do it's like really Come common on. for me to just end every dream in sex because I'm like, oh, mm. this will save it. This will like solve whatever issue is going on here. I sometimes force it in a consensual way in my dream, but then I wake up and I'm like, oh, great. I've missed the big final act. You know, I could have watched yeah. myself having sex or just mm. had sex. Also, like, I don't think people talk about women having wet dreams enough because like mm. I definitely wake up moist. Mm. Maybe that's an overshare, but a hundred percent. And I'm like, what yeah. was that? Because I definitely feel like I woke up like I've just orgasmed. Mm. Is that possible? Is that? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people only orgasm in their sleep. Wow, wow really? What? But how do they know they're orgasming? Yeah. Well, I guess I guess they dream that they do and then they wake up and they think, oh, there's evidence uh. that I did. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, Kate, I wanted to ask you, this is so more broad, but like as a sex therapist, is there... Are there like cycles and trends? Are there things that you've seen in the sort of last five, ten years that are quite telling of the kind of society that we live in? You know, maybe it be about yeah. porn. I mean, the coronavirus thing is, is very much of, 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 of the our time, time now, yeah. isn't it? But yes, you said porn. Yes, porn is a big issue. Either, I mean, either very liberating for people or a big problem 
Um, it mm. is definitely causing some problems for some people, men and women. So, mm. and, and there's also, at the moment, there's a lot, lot, lot more polyamory around as well. Right, mm. really? Which is really is that, interesting. Have you seen an increase? Is yeah, it, is it absolutely wow. huge increase, especially <laughs> in the over 60s. Oh, oh, good for them. Fucking good yeah. for them. That's great. Love that. Isn't it? Would you consider, yeah. would you guys consider polyamory if you're not already in a polyamorous relationship? I mean, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I, do you know what's bad is that I've seen a few documentaries on polyamory, obviously the one that like Louis III did as well. And it always felt like someone in this thruple or whatever was always a bit upset. And they weren't mm. quite there for it. But you it. could always be upset in a monogamous relationship. That's yeah. true. That you is could, true. You could, so, yeah. you could so be in a monogamous relationship and be forever disappointed or disappointed or not happy or not in love. It, it, when, when there's abuse, when somebody's actually just wanting to have loads of affairs yeah. and the other partner doesn't agree, then of course there's going to be problems. And mm. it's the same with things like kink. You know, if you don't organise it properly, that's not going to work. I mean, with anything sexual or relationship related but where you've properly boundaried everything and where mm. you've you've got rules then why should there be a problem everyone knows what's going on and I think with with older people it's more likely because they don't have the same trajectory as younger people who are who want to buy their first home have a mm. baby you know once you've done all that then what's the point well, and you sort of know what you like and what you don't like exactly by that point. you know you've tried all these things but and it also I mean just in the way that you live rather than just the sex the bedroom just in the way yeah. that you live you're like i like to get up in the morning i like to read the paper have a coffee i don't like anything to ruin that meanwhile yeah. this par- partner that i want wants me to stay in bed with them and you know i don't mm. know fumble around i'm like well yeah. they might want you to go to tesco or something which would be really boring <laughs> <Bullshit>. <laughs> and that's why i'm gonna be polyamorous and pick my girlfriend for the morning, my girlfriend yeah. for the afternoon. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, I, I would. I don't know about Rubina, but I, I would definitely. I would definitely consider it within mm. you know consensual and boundaries. And I think never say never. I actually mm. think polyamory is the future. And, and I've been saying this, Kate, for for ages. And I think you've just kind of reinforced something that I've been thinking about society as a whole. Like, you know, you have all these dating apps, and we've got like this paradox of choice, and people like consume relationships in different ways. I think that if done in the right way, like, absolutely. I, I'm not saying it's the answer to relationships, but it's it's definitely an alternative perspective. Mm. But whenever I talk to my monogamous friends about it, they're like, ah, ah, what? Ah. It's like, <laughs> you're not. Yeah. You know, it's, you're being responsible. You're, you're setting boundaries. And also, you know who you are. You know what you want. You might want to dip into a part-time relationship. You know, when you're young, you kind of consumed with passion. And like you said, you have these defining mm. points in life. House, baby, blah, blah, blah. It would be good if you started off like that. Like, I've been in a relationship for a while and I can't imagine having that discussion now where I'm like, let's project that. Because I, I didn't think either of us are looking that way at the moment. We're not thinking about it. But maybe if I had started out and been like, mm. I was always seeing lots of people, to be honest. I was always seeing lots of people. But, you know, like properly seeing lots of people. And, and that was just all, everyone was communicating. It was fine. The other thing I'm really interested in is like in relationships, like the power dynamic in relationships. So there's two yeah. of you. I often think like power shifts, doesn't it? Occasionally, mm. one person's dominating. One person knows what we're doing and the other one is figuring it out. And then what happens in polyamory with power? Like who is, contr- like, is there a lead? Is there a kind of, does it work like that? Is there kind of a system? I guess every kind of group has its own rules but there must be somebody who's pushing the pusher well no, not if it not if it's really working not if it's if it's what both of a couple want 
rather than what one person wants and is pushing on to the other, then that's not okay. That's abusive. Mm. It has to be something that they both want or or that they're cool with from the beginning. And when you think about it, so many people have lots and lots of sex with their partner before they decide to call it a relationship. And mm. lots of people have lots of other partners at the same time. So there's a lot of, a lot of that sort of thing understood and going on. Um, we just don't label it polyamory. We just say, oh, we're not in a relationship yet. But actually, that's mm. what it is. I, I'm going to sound like a proper bloke here when I say this. Back in the day, let's pretend I'm King Henry VIII. You know, I've got my wife who, you know, I want to make loads of children with. But I also have my mistresses for all the sex stuff. I've got my best mate for, you know, having fun. I've got my jester who makes me laugh. You know, mm. I've got my different people for the different roles in my life. Mm. And now what we do is we put those all into one who's meant to be your significant other partner. And it's not saying that's wrong, but I'm just saying that like you like you were saying, Poppy, like the way that maybe we're going these days with lots of choice and, you know, Mm. it's not completely crazy to think, well, maybe we could have different people for different roles. Oh, I need different people. I can't yeah. do a one-stop shop in a partner. No, uh-uh. Mm. No, I, like, uh, and yeah, I love there's my people partner. who say, there's people who say, like, my partner's my best friend. It's like, get a best friend, because that is wrong. <laughs> yeah, get a best like, friend. That's just and, not and right. It's okay for your partner to be your best friend, but, like, I need different people. Like mm. you, like, just like you said, I need the jester, I need the fun friends, I need <laughs> the holiday friends, I need yeah. the getting smashed friends, I need the intellectual friends, I need the, th- you know, like, I just need, you mm. know, I get my energy from people. Oh, sorry, I sound like a wanker, but I, I, I do need different groups of people for different things to <laughs> satiate different parts of my personality like mm. when I'm with my partner for more than three hours I'm like we, we definitely need <laughs> time apart and mm. I've noticed in friends who um work together and spend every waking minute together they self-implode those relationships mm. like the the it's intense and it's mm. great but they don't have a long shelf life I've, I've noticed it and I'm sure mm. there are people who will disprove this theory I have but I, I just think, like, what is the point of life? Do you think it's the same in sex then? Like, it, you need multiple people to satisfy different parts of your sexual being. Well, I was going to talk to you guys. So I am not there, but both of us are very much in a very long-term relationship. I think people don't talk about long-term relationships. They're, mm. they're, they're hard work. Like, I have never been more in love with my partner. And lockdown, I think, has definitely got us closer. But, like, you're sort of operating different parameters, aren't you? in in long-term relationships because that Mm. that magic and that newness is gone you do get other things like like friendship and you you sort of know each other and you finish each other's sentences and it's very cute but that sexual drive and that newness and that freshness and that raw energy it's gone and it's replaced by something else and you've got to keep topping it up and you've got to keep topping it up and I think that in the world that we live in now is definitely quite challenging mm. I think. well if you were in europe you'd probably be you'd probably be cool with an affair i'm just gonna call my partner and be like let's move to yeah i definitely have said to him you know if we if we don't have kids uh, which we might not you know we're, we're just gonna have each other so we do need to start maybe thinking outside the box and i think as long as i respect that and i'm honest with him and we have these conversations then i don't think that you know, I'd hurt him in any way. I, I think for him, the lines are like, if you lie or cheat, then that's where things are bad. But I think that's the whole point. You've got to work out what's what's okay for you as a mm. couple and forget the rules, you know, forget the rules completely and work out your own rules. And yeah. whether that involves monogamy, polyamory affairs, whatever it is, just what you're comfortable with is the most important thing. Every episode we ask our guest, and in this case, our guest's, how was it for you? Did you enjoy doing it? Have you learned anything along the way? Like, have you had fun? 
Yeah, I loved it. It was so good. So interesting. I think I learned loads. I loved it. And now I'm going to try and incorporate um, a coronavirus fantasy. <laughs> <when I went. laughs> oh my God, that's so love amazing. It. Can, I, I, can I just say, I think what you two are doing are so fucking cool. It's so I cool. Just love it. It's like, so I, fucking cool. If I had my mum on a sex podcast, mic drop, work done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or like a future child. I just, I'd love yeah. it. I think it's, I think it's yeah. great. Oh, thanks, it's guys. Fun. Can I just ask one question, Kate? Yes, what, was it was it dinner table? Like, how did you, when you found out your mum was a sex therapist, how cool? Or did you think how cool? Like, when did you sort of break that barrier? When when were you like, oh my god, this is this is cool? Um, we just always talked about it, really. We just always talked about sex. So you had it normalised from a much younger age, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I want I, people often ask me, they're like, oh, you like, what was it like talking to you? I don't know why they're, they're like this. Like, why do they sound like this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they just put on the funny accent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lads. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. They're like, you know, what was it? Because they imagine that we were talking about sex all the time. That obviously mm. wasn't it. And also they imagine that me and mum are, and I'm like talking to my mum about specific to me, subjective sex mm. stuff, which isn't happening, that'd mm. be fucking weird. But <laughs> from a young age, what we did talk, like it was just at the dinner table, general things about sex, like you would talk about mm. the coronavirus trend that you might have seen, which is mm. fascinating. I remember when kids came round after school, or whatever, and we'd be sitting around the table, and naturally, like something like this would come up, and they'd look around the table and be like, "Oh my god, you're talking to your parents about sex," and that's when I'd be like, "This is a bit." <laughs> Not normal. But I think that's so healthy and cool, and that's what Rubina and I want to do with our children. If if we have children, is just normalize it, and and, and it passes the dinner table test mm. chat, and it's not this like yeah, you're very lucky. Thing, you know, I think it's amazing. Oh, I don't know how lucky I am. Well, thank you so much, everyone. See you. Bye. 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 It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries to podcastahatch.com. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries. Thank you so much to Poppy and Rabina. What fantastic guests. I love those guys so much. Yeah, it was great. It was so good. And I, I I don't want to tease listeners too much, but when we finished recording with them, we just kept talking. Yeah. Because we just love talking about sex. So do they. And you can hear them talk about it more on Brown Girls Do It Too, their podcast. Make sure you check it out. Absolutely. Right, Mum, are you ready to answer some questions sent to us by listeners to podcasts at hatch.com and using the hashtag RealSexEdu? Good. This first question we have is from Anonymous, and they ask, can HIV be passed on by sharing a toothbrush? Um, No, is the answer. And the reason I think this has probably been asked is because there's been a lot of publicity around this topic. Because somebody who should know better said that you could get... HIV from sharing a toothbrush and it is simply not true. Mm. HIV is a very fragile sort of a virus and it doesn't and it doesn't live very long in the outside world. It would just die off on a toothbrush even if you use the toothbrush straight after somebody else. HIV isn't spread through saliva, so it would be very, very difficult to to pick it up. You could, however, get all sorts of other conditions, including COVID-19, by sharing a toothbrush. So it's absolutely not to be recommended. I mean, the mouth is full of all sorts of bugs, just not HIV. Mm, Good. Yeah. So don't share a toothbrush anyway, if you can avoid it, because, you know, you'll get something else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> you like to emphasize the point, don't you? Yeah, the, the way that I can show you that I've understand what you've said yeah. is by explaining it back to you as if it was my idea. Have you heard of mansplaining? <laughs> um, all right, our next question comes from someone who'd rather not use their real name. Okay. And they've asked, my wife and I are overweight and we're really struggling to have sex. We're really frustrated. Have you got any tips? Oh, um, yes, actually. It can be difficult to have sex if you're overweight. I suppose a lot depends on what you want to do. But some people find it quite exhausting, apart from anything else. Mm. So sometimes it's a good idea for if this is a, oh, is this a straight couple. I think it's a man and, and a wife. Okay. Judging by the name, but obviously... Okay, you know. okay, they want to be anonymous. So yeah. so if if the man sits in a chair, in a, in a chair that has a lot of support for him, and he sits well back in the chair, his wife can sit upon his penis, can just sit back down onto his erect penis. The most comfortable way is to face away from him. Uh, but that, that means that he has free hands to caress her body. And vulva and breasts and that can be really, really pleasant. Another way is to place lots of pillows under her or another guy, if that's if that's what you were doing, presenting their nether regions to the person who stands behind them to to penetrate. Because you can lean for the guy can lean forward onto the bed and hopefully the woman or the other man is well supported. Fantastic. And just to use one of your words again, I'm sure that would be very pleasant. <laughs> I'm sure it would. So lots of lo- lots of uh, lots of things to try there and hopefully they'll all be pleasant. Right, brilliant. <laughs> That's that. Another pod in the bag. Thank you so much to Poppy and Rabina for taking the time to come and see us. That was it was bloody fantastic. Was. Thank you so much. It was very pleasant. It was very pleasant. <laughs> it was exceedingly pleasant. It was as pleasant as pleasant can be. Mm. I feel like the problem with pleasant is I feel like it very much has a ceiling. You can only be so happy with pleasant. Uh, there you go. Anyway, it was more than pleasant, Poppy and Rabina. It was it was yeah, great. It was orgasmic. <laughs> Thank you as ever to Kate Campbell for being our guiding light in all matters sex and relationships. Thank you, Mum. And thank you, Diggs, for a wonderful show. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Andy Goddard and Diggory Waite. The Real Sex Education is a Hattrick podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts by Hattrick, including Time Ghost with Alexander Armstrong and Ben Miller, just search Hattrick Podcasts on your podcast provider of choice. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, registered sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But, yes, Diggory does wish his co-host was Gillian Anderson. 